Welcome back to The Money Stop. It is the most important stop of the day. And alongside Cole Cusimano, my name is Steven Cusimano. As we roll into the playoffs with Ryan Blaney, red hot. Back-to-back -back wins at Indy and now Daytona. Cole, another amazing race. And Ryan Blaney has absolutely caught fire. Splash and go. Let's get right into it. Um, what were your overall thoughts on what we saw at Daytona on Saturday night? I think NASCAR has a winner in having Daytona host the regular season finale. Non-stop on the edge of your seat action the entire race. All those drivers uh, seeking that final spot, jockeying for position, uh, getting themselves in position or, or hanging back, whether you're Matt Benedetto or Austin Dillon. It was just an incredible race. Uh, it, it, was, it was awesome to watch. The battle between the RCR guys was really something else. I think towards the end of the race, you really did not know who was going to get in because you had Austin Dillon with his battery issues. You had Tyler Reddick who got into that massive wreck and somehow wheeled his way to not only a playoff berth, but the top five finish. That was just a playoff caliber performance by the eight team. Really incredible. But overall, thought it was a great race. The package did not take away from what we saw at Daytona and Talladega earlier this year. You know, they reduced the horsepower, uh, made some body modifications, and, you know, the racing did not suffer. I thought it was great. Overall, really, really good race. Well, to start with the first thing you said about the regular season finale being at Daytona, couldn't agree more. It's an absolute winner. Back-to-back -back years, it has been just absolute chaos, and there's things to follow all throughout the race. And you mentioned watching how fun it was to watch the RCR cars battle back and forth the entire race and, and just kind of see uh, who was in the driver's seat at any given point in time. That's not even including the fact that we had so many drivers that could have won their way into the playoffs in the top five and in the top ten on the final green flag run, including Chris Buescher, who ended up finishing second and then being disqualified for a track bar modification that was unapproved. So I think all throughout, excellent race, back-to-back -back years at Daytona. This is absolutely something that they should keep there. But I do want to talk about Ryan Blaney for a second because he has been a very hot topic on this very podcast for not just two weeks, not just the two weeks he's been winning, but we've been talking about him the two, three weeks before that when he was getting hot and he was part of our Stacking Penny segment, but also all the way back to our very first episode on the pilot. We talked about the expectations for Ryan Blaney, what we were expecting him to do this year, what he was capable of doing this year, and we made preseason predictions. Our championship four drivers, we each picked four, and we both didn't have to, but we both included a couple of dark courses, and your dark horse was Ryan Blaney, and I posted a great social clip on at the underscore money stop on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Follow us on there if you want to see exactly what Cole said. Basically, paraphrasing Cole, all you said was that he's going to be a force to be reckoned with, and that is exactly what we're starting to see right now. What factored into that decision of picking Ryan Blaney to be in your championship for before the season even began, and adding on top of that, what characteristics did you see that sort of made you figure that this would be an onslaught from Blaney once he figured out how to close these races? Well, to start off, I, I do want to say I, I did expect to see more out of Ryan Blaney this season as a whole. I think, you know, he had a rough start to the season, then he kind of picked it up about at Atlanta when he got that win. He was rattling, rattling off top tens or finishes around there, but I thought we were going to see more wins, more top fives, more laps led, just just more dominance overall. And I think what we're seeing now is kind of the emergence of that. Over the last nine races, he has six top five finishes, including back-to-back -back wins. And before that was the Indianapolis Road Course where he finished runner-up. So he's on a tear right now. I just I still want to see more. I want to see those laps led. I want to see him get those stage wins. But this could be it. You never know. Maybe this is what Ryan Blaney needs to 
click off more wins, to be a contender down the stretch for the championship. Maybe he's just not going to be one of those guys right now who leads a lot of laps and dominates. And in the, at the end of the day, it, it, you only got to lead one lap, the final lap. And he's done a masterful job at that throughout his young career. And I'm excited to see what he can do in the playoffs. Absolutely. And, and let's call it what it is. Before he clicked off these two straight wins, I said he is the most opportunistic driver in NASCAR along with Alex Bowman. And when we were talking about this was at the point where he had only won one race. We were talking about what we could expect from him going into the playoffs because obviously he was locked in. You know, all you need from him is a win in each playoff round. He doesn't necessarily need to lead laps, but you look at the way that these tracks line up between Darlington, Richmond, and Bristol, which is a track that's been kind to him, and then Vegas, Talladega, and the Roval, two back-to-back -back tracks that have been really good to him, and, and even Vegas was. So I think the way that this playoff schedule is aligned it definitely favors Ryan Blaney, just being that, like you said, he's not going to be the guy that's going to lead all of these laps um, the same way you're seeing Kyle Larson and guys like that do on a weekly basis. And who knows? Like you said, maybe a switch has flipped. Maybe this was all he needed. I would say I, I probably don't expect that to happen, just especially considering Penske hasn't exactly had the speed that's been up to par with either Hendrick or Gibbs this year. But who knows? I, I mean, there's no telling what's going to happen. And I think there's no denying the fact that this guy is on a confidence high, and I said a couple weeks ago also, in this playoff slash chase format, whichever driver gets hot at this perfect time of year is going to be the favorite to win the championship. It doesn't necessarily matter what happened in the regular season, and last year's a perfect example. Chase Elliott only had two wins going into the playoffs, and he was able to win the final two races of the season, as well as, I think, was three of the final four or three of the final five, including the Roval, Martinsville, and Phoenix. So all you got to do in this playoff format is get hot at the right time, gain some confidence, and you may have a really good chance of hoisting the cup at the end of the year. And I am sticking to my guns and saying that Ryan Blaney is going to have a very similar trajectory to what Chase Elliott had in his growth process in the sport. I do feel like there's going to be another year or two where there's a lot of trial and error and having to go through those big bad breaks like Elliott did in the postseason, you know, just barely missing that championship four. And maybe that's this year, maybe it's not. But this schedule really, really does cater to Ryan Blaney's skill set. We mentioned the opportunistic side of him. And I think this also plays into the fact that Brad Keselowski is leaving Penske after this year. And I think that he's trying to step up along with Joey Logano as you know, that next leader at Team Penske. It's a big role to fill. He's one of the biggest names in the sport, and I think he has a very bright future ahead of him. Absolutely, and he is certainly the hottest driver in the sport right now, but he's not the only one in the news headlines because going into that race at Daytona, we had a really big piece of news break that Kurt Busch, there was a lot of speculation on the opportunities that he may have had going into 2022, had a couple of things on the table, and now we know uh, what the reality is. He is going to move to 2311 Racing as that team expands to a two-car operation alongside Bubba Wallace, and Kurt Busch is going to pilot the number 45 car, and in addition to that, in the reveal video on 2311 Racing's social media accounts, the number 45 was moved up, so that was a confirmation from NASCAR that the numbers will be moving forward on these cup cars going forward starting in 2022. So, first of all, Cole, thoughts on Kurt Busch moving to the number 45 car at 2311 Racing? Honestly, I think it's a great move, only because Kurt Busch brings that championship veteran presence to that brand new team in 2311 Racing. I think it'll only further develop Bubba Wallace's career. And the thing is, he's proven he can be competitive still, driving for Chip Ganassi Racing. And just looking at Kurt Busch's career as a whole, it's been 
honestly, incredible. Like, starting off with Jack Roush, then going to Roger Penske. Then he, he was driving for James Finch at one point, back-to-back with Furniture Row Racing. Kind of got that program jump-started. Then he went to Stuart Haas, and now he's with Chip Ganassi. So I think it's been a, an incredible career, a very underrated career, I think, in the whole sport of NASCAR for Kurt Busch. And to see him now driving for Michael Jordan after all he's been through is really incredible. It really is insane to look at all of those, not just teams, but prestigious NASCAR teams and team owners that he has raced for. And I just, you know, thinking about the fit for 2311 Racing, I think that certainly there were flashier names. They could have went a younger direction, but just trying to, I guess, put some cars in the playoffs and get sort of a a leader or a mentor for Bubba Wallace, who I feel like does kind of need that guidance at this point in his career, I think is something that could be good. And obviously that was going to come with the built-in sponsorship with Monster Energy. So that was, from those perspectives, I think it was a good hire. Um, There were a couple other names that I would have probably liked to have seen in this car. But when it comes to winning races and contending for championships immediately, not just for Kurt Busch, but for both cars, I think that this was the best move that Denny Hamlin and Michael Jordan could have made. Second piece there, though. Thoughts on NASCAR moving the numbers forward on these vehicles? Well, I'm not a fan, obviously. My biggest thing is that I feel like no matter what, a driver is is identified by his number. That's how it's always been. That's how it should be. And I feel moving the number whether it would have been to the back or to the front, it just takes away from that. I will say I think it will grow on me, only because in the reveal with with this Monster Energy paint scheme for Kurt Busch, it's a very bland car. It's a a matte black base. There's no design at all whatsoever. So I think you'll see sponsors get more creative, and that'll definitely um, change my perspective on it as the 2022 season comes about. But the biggest thing is it should better the sport. It should bring in more sponsorship dollars because they're going to have more space in the car to work with, and that's always a good thing. What I will say, though, is if the next-gen car racing product does not work out, on top of the polarizing topic of moving the numbers front or back, uh, it's going to be bad for the sport. So you only got to hope and pray that the racing is good with this next-gen car because NASCAR has the potential to lose a lot of fans here. Yeah, I mean, I'll definitely say I'm not a fan of it either. Just looking at that car and looking at even other mock-ups that looked good. There were a couple talented graphic designers who made nice uh, paint schemes, just mock-ups of what a good paint scheme might look like with the numbers moved forward. Uh, And they looked fine, but just in general, it didn't look like a NASCAR cup car to me. And that's a problem, in my opinion. But... Like you said, I understand the end goal if if they are going to bring in some new sponsors and namely some recognizable sponsors, some yep. Fortune 500 companies, some very recognizable names, then I support the decision because you mentioned how drivers become synonymous with their numbers. That's a big thing. But I would say during the golden age of NASCAR, when it was at really its commercial peak, which was the Dale Earnhardt days and even the, the 10, 15, even 20 years after that, Drivers were also synonymous with their sponsors. Mm-hmm. Tony Stewart with Home Depot, Jimmy Johnson with Lowe's, Dale Jr. with Budweiser. And even today, you still do see cars like uh, and drivers like Kyle Busch synonymous with M&Ms and, and the Mars candy bars and things like that. So if it's going to bring more Fortune 500 companies into the sport consistently, which I honestly am a little bit skeptical about, I am all for it because it's going to make the sport more commercially viable. It's going to make people more uh, interested in in wanting to root for a specific sponsor that they identify with. So if that happens, great. But I think until that does happen, 
I'm not behind the decision. I'm kind of, again, skeptical of it. And I just don't think that they look like NASCAR Cup cars at this point. I totally agree. And, that, and that's the the biggest point for me was the, the sponsorship aspect. Yes, they are synonymous with certain drivers throughout the years. But over the last, whatever it's been, five years or so, there's new sponsors every single week, it seems like. And even listening to um, Coleman Presley's radio over the weekend, he was saying how all the spotters were having a lot of trouble spotting for their teams because all the cars were different sponsors and it's like that every single week so i'd like to see more stability and like i guess a full slate of sponsorship it's easy for me to say playing accountant behind a computer desk over here but i guess more stability and and, and more mainstay in big sponsors in the sport that's definitely an interesting topic to follow as we get into this next era i would say overall though it's been a good year uh, for nascar just good couple years publicity wise and just the trajectory of the sport tv ratings and things like that so those could all play a factor as well into seeing some new sponsors come into the sport and even going into that daytona race this past weekend one of the big storylines was fifth third bank the primary sponsor for the 17 car at roush fenway racing signing what was reported to be at least a five-year deal which was massive and it was cool to see the 17 car running up front and contending for the win late in the race after that news had been broke um so that's something that definitely bodes well and i, I think will definitely have some ripple effects on the business end of the sport. But with that being said, now it's time to get down to business because the playoffs do start this week with the Cookout Southern 500 at Darlington. And so we are going to be revealing our brackets on social media this week at the underscore money stop, showing which drivers we think are going to go all the way from the round of 16 to the championship four and who we think are going to win the championship and contend for the championship. And I would think it's no secret to say that Kyle Larson is the favorite. He was the regular season champion, five wins on the season, and he has dominated so many races, including a handful that he has not won. So competitively speaking, there's no question that he is the championship favorite. And then also you can't ignore the points cushion. He has 52 points built up, which is 28 more than the second place driver. So those are definitely going to come into play in every round of the playoffs, except for the championship four. But you had a chance to catch up with Kyle Larson, Cole, and ask him who he thinks his biggest competition is in contending for the Cup this year. I mean, I think everybody has got their has had their moments of being really strong this year. Um, you know, I think the three others of my teammates are going to be really tough. But um, I, I think you know, I look at obviously Denny, uh, Martin, and, and Kyle Bush is probably being you know, the three that others besides our team that stand out and and then I feel like there's always one or two guys that you don't really you know notice that much during the regular season that uh and maybe don't even notice that much in the first round but really you you start hitting their stride um you know after that so you know there's there's probably definitely a few wild cards out there but uh you won't really know who they are until we get a few races in yeah no surprises there if I were to pick any challengers for Larson for the championship it would have to be either Kyle Busch or Martin Truex Jr., and then probably William Byron or Chase Elliott. I guess you could throw Alex Bowman in there for good measures, given his ability to close out races, but it'll be from the JGR stable or HMS. And we are obviously in the business of, of predicting a lot of things on this podcast. It's the money stop. We're trying to put some money in your pocket. And so when it comes to making brackets at this time of the year, I think it's going to be really fun because, first of all, we have seen so much parity in the sport this year. I would say... Outside of Kyle Larson, it really is a wide open field as far as who could make it to the championship four with all the different drivers and really different teams that have won this year. So uh, I guess let's just do one thing here going into this first round of the playoffs. Let's each pick one boom and one bust uh, for a driver that we think is going to over exceed and under exceed 
in the playoffs because I think it's also important to acknowledge there's always the one factor that that you can't predict, and that's that there are going to be drivers that have tough times in, in certain rounds of the playoffs. I mean, even in this first round, there's always that one team that everyone thinks is going to go far, but they just can't seem to find their way out of trouble, whether it's accidents or mechanical issues, whatever it may be. You can't predict that kind of stuff, but Cole, when it comes to predicting things, I want each of us to pick one driver that we think is going to boom, so one that really isn't favored to win, but we think has a really good shot at potentially surprising people and winning the championship, and we're each going to pick a bust, a driver that people think might win the championship and has a good chance, but maybe is going to under-exceed expectations here. So I guess we'll start with you predicting a driver that's going to boom in the NASCAR playoffs in 2021. I'm going to go with William Byron. I think that team as a whole has been tremendous the entire season. They've proven they can lead laps. They've proven they can execute and close out races. And obviously the, the wins aren't there. He has the one at Homestead. But I think this playoff schedule does cater to his skill set. But at the same time, I feel like William Byron's proven that he could really exceed anywhere. He's been a top 10 car, borderline top 5 car all year. I'm not sure it's a very egregious statement to say that William Byron makes the championship four, but I think he does, and I think he surprises a lot of people in that regard. Here's what I'll say about William Byron. I think under the old chase format, where we didn't have the four segments of racing, I think William Byron would be maybe even a championship favorite, because he has been arguably the most consistent driver this year, I would say, along with Kyle Larson, Denny Hamlin, guys of that nature. Uh, if you remember that old format, it was a 10-race playoff where there was no breaks in between, and that's something that would have favored him. With this format, I think he's going to have to win at least a race or two. I mean, it's going to be really difficult for William Byron to uh, make it to the championship four without winning a race, especially because he just barely missed out on those bonus points that would have come with finishing third in the points that Kyle Busch ultimately stole away from him at the end of the regular season. So I just need to see a little bit more out of William Byron. I think, like you said, Cole, he has the speed. That team has been borderline top five all year long. They've been one of the three or four most consistent teams all year, but they've just got to take the next step and start winning some of these races the same way that we've been saying about Ryan Blaney and we used to say years ago about Chase Elliott. It's got to happen for William Byron if he wants to contend this year. For me, though, my boom that I'm going to pick is a driver that is a veteran, and it's my preseason pick for the championship, and that's Joey Logano. I think that once you get to the playoffs, the fact of the matter is veteran presence wins over. Drivers who have a lot of playoff pedigree and, and have been former champions and know how to handle this time of year, they tend to separate themselves. And that's another reason why I think Kevin Harvick rolls into the playoffs kind of on a cold streak. But I think he's going to have a decent playoffs as well and possibly win a race just because... I think at the end of the day, these drivers know how to flip that switch at this time of year. And I think looking at the veterans who have underperformed this year, I don't think it's going to be Brad Kay because, like you said, he's just been so out of touch with the top 10 and even the top 15 as of the last couple weeks of the summer. Uh, and then Kevin Harvick, the speed just has not been there all year for Stuart Haas Racing. I think it would be a bold prediction to say he wins a race, but I, I think that he makes it to the round of 12, maybe the round of eight, just based on his playoff pedigree in years past. But I think Joey Logano is a guy who has a really good shot because he has a good history at a lot of these tracks in the playoffs. And the main reason why I picked Joey is because Ryan Blaney's got back-to-back -back wins. And I think winning can be contagious in terms of teams. And I know it hasn't been dominating wins for Ryan Blaney where the speed has been overbearing and he just 
went out there and dominated these races the same way a guy like Kyle Larson would, but I think that there's going to be some overlap and some seeping into the other Penske cars as we get into the playoffs, and I think Joey Logano is going to make a run for the championship. I, I definitely don't think he's going to be a favorite, but when I'm making my bracket, he's going to be maybe one unsuspecting driver that I think goes further than many are thinking, only because he just hasn't performed very well as to what people were expecting this year. His only win was at a wild card race, the Bristol Dirt Track. That's a great point, and I completely agree. To be honest, when I think of the playoffs in recent years, last five years or so, I think of Joey Logano. He's a former champion. Something just flips inside of Logano when the postseason starts. He has a history of creating big moments and making a big reputation for being aggressive in, in these situations. I mean, just, just look down the line. There's, there was the run-in with Truex, Denny Hamlin, Kevin Harvick, Kyle Busch. So many instances where he either blocked or took someone out or just made sure that he was in position to win that race or get a good finish or maximize those points. And I think the same thing is going to follow through this year and the years coming. Keep in mind, once again, he's working with Paul Wolf, one of the best minds top the pit box. He now has Coleman Presley, his best friend is a spotter. And I think that's going to only do great things for that team. And like you said, winning is definitely contagious. Logano can win pretty much anywhere. He's a former champion. He knows what he has to do to win. Well, you mentioned Paul Wolf, and that was the reason why Joey Logano was my preseason pick to win the championship, because I think we both have, and all, the whole industry has a lot of respect for Paul Wolf as one of the best crew chiefs in the sport over the past decade or so. And I think that that pairing, I'm a little surprised that they haven't had more success this year, but I think this is the time of year where you're going to start to see it. You're going to see them separate themselves. And like you said, he just has a way of flipping that switch at this time of year. And honestly, thinking about Joey Logano, he just has a way of winning those races that you don't expect him to. Like, he just seemingly comes out of nowhere, um, but at the same time, he, he's always been somewhat consistent. He's usually, even when they're not running well, they're a top 10 team, and I think that this is the time of year where he really is going to rise to the occasion, and I think he's going to make it to the championship four and possibly win the whole thing, but they are going to have to have more speed than they have had all year, so it is a bit of a gamble to say that. However, I just have a lot of confidence in that team, the driving ability of Joey Logano, and that slate of tracks, and how well they are going to work together between he and Paul Wolf. Next, we're going to move on to each of us picking a bust, a driver that maybe a lot of people think, based on the way they've performed this year, that they are going to contend for the championship. But we have reason to believe that maybe they aren't. And my bust is going to be a guy with three wins this year that I've also touted as the most opportunistic driver in the sport, and that's going to be Alex Bowman. I think based on pure speed alone, there's no question. Hendrick Motorsports has been miles ahead of the pack for the most part this year, especially at the intermediate tracks. And you look at the three wins this year for Alex Bowman, he kind of was, again, very opportunistic. He was in position to steal a win, and that he very much did, namely at tracks like Richmond and Dover. And I just think that that brand of racing is not going to work very well in the playoffs, especially with what a stacked field that we have this year. But again, the thing working in his favor is that the speed is going to be there on a week-in and week-out basis. I just think that at this point... In Alex Bowman's career, he just needs a little bit more playoff experience, needs a little bit more confidence, uh, and I think that when you get to this time of year, I think that the, the more experienced drivers that are having less successful years, like Kevin Harvick, like Kurt Busch, Joey Logano, and names like that, I just think that I see Alex Bowman having a shorter playoff run than what maybe people are expecting. I definitely agree with you. Just given the three wins, I think people might have high expectations, but it's important to have them temper just because... They did not come in dominating fashion, and I, you need to see more of that to really succeed in the playoffs. 
But for my bust, I'm going to go with Brad Keselowski. And I'm going to go on a limb here and say he may not even make it out of the round of 16. That team has struggled tremendously the entire season. No real rhyme or reason to it. Just have not hit their mark, have not executed. And it was interesting listening to the media day for the playoff drivers because Brad Keselowski mentioned he's very concerned all across the board going into the postseason. And for good reason, you know. He, he has the one win this year coming at Talladega. I mean... Granted, he is a good Speedway racer. That's still very much a luck-driven win. And there, there hasn't been anything throughout this year where I've said, oh, wow, Brad Keselowski looks like a championship contender or even a playoff contender this year. It's been a very tough year for that two-team. Maybe his head's somewhere else, uh, given that he's moving as a part owner and driver to Roush Fenway next year. But I think Brad Keselowski has potential to be out of the playoffs in the first round. Honestly, I could definitely see that happening. That team... Like I mentioned with Joey Logano, the speed just has not been there all year. I was expecting such a bigger year, and he was kind of um, my second dark horse pick for the championship, only because he had the late one-year extension coming into this year, and I kind of thought he would race with a chip on his shoulder, when in reality, it kind of just seems like you mentioned maybe his mind is wandering other places. I, I don't want to you know make any assumptions or anything like that, but I just think that the results have not been there for Brad Keselowski, but who knows? I mean, I just said about Joey Logano and Kurt Busch and guys like that to where the veterans, they have a way of flipping that switch this time of year. And we've seen so many great playoff runs by Brad Keselowski. Obviously the championship in 2012 when he beat out Jimmy Johnson, but also several other years where he came so close to winning the championship. Who knows? He very well could have been sandbagging the whole year and could have turned the switch up. But based on the results that we've seen this year, I would tend to agree that it might be a short playoff run for Brad Keselowski. The thing is also, last year... Penske was the top of the class at those 750 tracks. There's a lot in this playoff schedule, and they have not executed at all between all three cars. So it's mainly been Gibbs and, and Hendrick performing at those types of tracks. Just a very off year for Penske as a whole. I would have to say if there's a, a route for Brad Keselowski to kind of snaking his way to the championship for, he's got to win at the tracks that he's supposed to win at. He's got to win at Talladega. He's got to win at, you know, maybe somewhere like Bristol if he can steal a win. He's always been really good at Richmond. I would say, like, this slate of tracks, it works for Brad. Because Richmond and Bristol, two places I expect him to run well at. The round of 12, Talladega he could very easily win at. He won at Talladega this year, and then that's when things get a little bit dicey. But I just think that, again, the results have not been there, and so that's a very justifiable pick for a playoff bust at this point in the year. Let's move on to this weekend's race at Darlington, though. The Cookout Southern 500... Let's check out some of these paint schemes. Not as many throwbacks as we saw in this race last year. There are a few, but Throwback Weekend technically was the first race that we had at Darlington. Uh, and we're looking at some pretty cool-looking cars, though, here this week, Cole. I really like, um, I think my dime of all dimes this week is going to go out to the number four car, the Bush Light Ford that Kevin Harvick is racing this week. That is one of my favorite paint schemes all year. It's a throwback to an old Kel Yarbrough paint scheme. And I just love the way the colors look together. That dark blue, the horizontal white lines, and that dull sort of gold. I think it's going to look really cool under the lights. Just has that sort of throwback look while at the same time looking a little bit modern. And so that's one that one of my favorite paint schemes all year. Also want to give a shout out to the nine car of Chase Elliott, the Napa Auto Parts children's car with uh, the, all the jigsaw puzzle pieces outlined in gold. That's a car that I also think is going to look really cool this week. I don't have a whole lot to say about these paint schemes, to be honest with you. I'm not a big fan of many of them i do like the kevin harvick bush light car i think it's cool how they have the accolades on the side i think it is a very modern yet old school looking design that works very well and it's going to look really nice under the lights but 
my only thing is I feel having the uh, the, the accolades on the side of the car, it, it feels like it's almost a send-off in a way for, for Bush as a sponsor with Kevin Harvick or Kevin Harvick in general. I don't know. It, it just seems weird to me. I didn't think of that, but that is a little – that's a cryptic outlook that actually makes a lot of sense. I don't know. I, like, I haven't heard anything about Bush leaving the sport or whatever, but it just seems like that, which – it's, I mean, and they could weird. just be throwing it back to like those, no, their I, top moments. So, I think I don't they know. are, but it, it just seems that's what it strikes me as. But I guess the only other comments I have about these paint schemes is I like the 47 of Ricky Stenhouse Jr. because it's sponsored by the Little Hug Barrel Drinks, and they have the two best flavors, the blue one and the red one, on the side of the car. True, and it just I, I love those drinks. Uh, very nostalgic. Looks pretty cool, too. I do want to mention that JTG have upped their paint scheme game drastically from the start of the year. They were getting flack all over Twitter because they they have the same designs every single week uh, with these weird, like, arcs towards the back end of the car where the wheel is. <laughs> yeah, it looks so bad. But now they have the same design, basically, since about midway. It's, it's like a, a line going diagonally across the, the, uh, the side of the car. And there's like these, I don't know, other weird lines going on. I think that that's got to be part of like the the brand guidelines. I, it seems like Kroger will not let them do anything at all with the front half of those cars, and it's kind right. of ruining the paint scheme. So I would say, looking at those two cars specifically this week, a Hershey's car and a Little Hugs car, like they're doing the best with what they can. It seems like so. Kudos to JTG. Which, by the way, let's be- venture off for just a second because I forgot to mention this in Splash and Go. Announced this week that JTG Doherty Racing is going to be reduced to a one-car operation next year. So what are your thoughts on that? I think it's smart. I think that you're going to have a lot more resources put into that one car that you'll be fielding. So it should be more competitive. And I think it's going to bode well for that team. And I'll end this nickel or dime segment with one more I like. You mentioned the word nostalgic before. I love the 52 of Josh Balicki. Throwback to Rusty Wallace's old paint scheme. That is a really cool and nostalgic-looking car that I think a lot of people are going to be excited to see on track. Here's the lineup we're going to see on track, though. The top 16 playoff drivers, let's go through where they are all going to start. And again, uh, if you are unfamiliar with the way that the points are going to work, the 16 playoff drivers will start in the top 16 positions of this race. So here's what it's going to look like. Ryan Blaney starts on the pole, followed by Denny Hamlin, Kurt Busch, Chase Elliott, Alex Bowman rounds out the top five, Kyle Larson in sixth, Tyler Reddick seventh, Eric Almarola eighth, Kevin Harvick ninth, and Martin Truex Jr. rounds out the top ten. Joey Logano will start 11th, Kyle Busch 12th, Christopher Bell 13th, William Byron 14th, Michael McDowell starting ahead of Brad Keselowski in 15th, and then, of course, Brad Keselowski rounding out that top 16. Yeah, that really puts it into perspective just how tough a time Brad has had uh, at the later portion of the season. But let's take it to the bank. Let's put some money in your pocket. This is the time of year where all the money is made. It's the playoffs. And, you know, let's be honest. The last time we were at Darlington earlier this year for Throwback Weekend, It was the Martin Truex Jr. show. He dominated that race. He led 268 out of 293 laps and won all the stages. Kyle Larson was a close second, though. He was really the only one that came close to contending with Martin Truex Jr. in that race. But I think we would both agree the week after that Darlington race was when Kyle Larson really turned it up. That was when he went on his tear uh, and won all those races in the month of May. And so... I think that this may look a little bit different. Uh, Martin Truex Jr., that was kind of at the point in the year where Joe Gibbs Racing maybe was on its best roll of the season, and then 
Hendrick Motorsports, if you remember, took over and won like five or six weeks in a row. So I'm kind of intrigued to see how this race is going to look. But looking at the top 10 from that race, Cole, eight of the top 10 drivers from the last Darlington race earlier this year were playoff drivers. Right. So over the last four races, keep in mind, there were three races run in 2020, one in 2021. So last two years, we'll say Harvick has won twice. Martin Truex Jr. has won once, along with Denny Hamlin. So I guess kind of going through here now. Denny Hamlin and Kevin Harvick are tied for most active wins with three. Harvick has most laps led with 792 and most top 10 with 16. Harvick is also riding an 11-race top 10 streak at Darlington, which includes those three wins and eight top fives. So with Harvick, my only thing is he's starting ninth, and he's definitely going to finish top 10. I have no doubt about that. It's only a question of whether he will finish above ninth, and I think it's going to be a tough sell for me just given his season as a whole. So that's my two cents on Kevin Harvick. But now looking at Denny Hamlin, he has the third best average finish at Darlington with a 7.4. He's starting second priced at 9,500. Harvick is priced at 9,800 starting ninth. Of these two drivers, I definitely have more optimism in Denny Hamlin in terms of leading laps and potentially winning the race. This has been a historically great track for Denny Hamlin. But my only thing is, you run the risk of losing points if he doesn't finish second or lead a lot of laps and win the race. So, both drivers are a bit of a tough sell for me, but if you're going to go with either, I'd probably have more optimism in Denny Hamlin. Moving ahead, there are only three drivers to have a career average finish inside the top 10 at Darlington among active drivers. The other two are Kyle Larson and Eric Jones, surprisingly. Kyle Larson with a 6.0, Eric Jones with a 7.0. So, Larson has finished runner-up in his last two races at Darlington. That's very important to note. Also finished third the year before. So, that's great odds for Kyle Larson, which is why he's favored at 11-4. to And the most expensive at $11,500. So, he's starting sixth, expecting to lead a lot of laps, and contend for the win. Now, Eric Jones is a bit of a tough one to dissect. Jones has six top tens and seven starts at Darlington, the only outlier being this year where he finished 18th. He won there in 2019, valued at 6,100. He is a great value pick, but just be wary. Again, while he has one finish outside the top 10, it came this year. He's driving lesser equipment, going from JGR to Richard Petty Motorsports. He's starting 22nd, so I think he's going to finish around the top 15. If you want to kind of build your lineup with top-heavy drivers that are more expensive, I think he's a good play. He's a a great value pick, again, as mentioned, but just a bit weary given that he's driving for RPM. Yeah, that's been kind of the tough part about picking Eric Jones for anything all year. Like, you go to these tracks that have historically been really good for him, Darlington, Daytona, but he used to race, obviously, for Joe Gibbs Racing, and now racing for RPM, you just feel a little bit less confident and, and has sort of that middle ground, I think, 21st starting position feel a little bit difficult picking him. However, it is a great track for him. He did decent there the last time when they were there in the spring. And so I would say, like you mentioned, when it comes to lineup construction, I like the idea of fitting guys who are, you know, are going to lead laps and, and possibly win the race like Kyle Larson or Denny Hamlin, guys of that caliber. And then you can compensate for that with a driver who, you know, has a great feel for this track, like Eric Jones, who is valued, again, at 6100 I feel like you can't go wrong with that value. And then when it comes to drivers that have won at Darlington in years past, there's only two that we haven't mentioned yet, and that's Brad Keselowski 
and Kyle Busch. And we've talked a lot about Brad Keselowski during this episode of The Money Stop. Just hasn't fared as well this year as previous years, and that includes at Darlington. He does have a 13th place average finish there since 2020, and he did finish fourth there last year, but this year's just been different. You mentioned he finished 24th there in the spring race earlier this year, which was a race where all of the other playoff drivers, for the most part, performed really well, and he was barely even on the lead lap at the end of that race. So I just, I think we've made it clear, despite all history, we're not feeling great about Brad Keselowski this week at Darlington or in the playoffs at all. But then Kyle Busch, he's riding a three-race top 10 streak at Darlington and finished third the last time we were there in the spring and also runner-up last year in 2020. So he's led 725 laps at this track, which is the second most of any active driver. And he is the second most expensive at 11200 mainly because he's going to get you some place differential points. He starts 12th right in the middle of all those playoff drivers. So when I mentioned those more expensive ones trying to head the top of your lineup like Kyle Larson, Denny Hamlin... Kyle Busch is another guy that I really like a lot. You mentioned all the drivers that have that sort of playoff pedigree, the veteran presence where they can flip that switch this time of year. Well, I think that later in his career, Kyle Busch has figured out how to do that. Won the championship a couple years ago in 2019, and I think that he's going to have a really good playoff run, and it's going to start this weekend at Darlington. Keeping it in the Gibbsdale, we alluded to Martin Truex Jr.'s dominance at Darlington. Historically, he's the only other multi-race winner at this track other than Harvick and Denny. 692 laps led is the third most among active drivers, and he led the most laps, actually, in the last two Darlington races. So, being the third most expensive driver at $11,000 and starting 10th, I think he has a great shot at leading a lot of laps and potentially winning the race contending with Kyle Larson. My only fear is that the dominance he had earlier this year at Darlington will not translate to this race, just given the fact this will be run at night, and just given the fact that he has been struggling as of late. That 19 team is not the same as it was earlier this year they've only got four top tens in the last 10 races and i just don't have a whole lot of optimism about them going out there and winning leading laps maybe but it's going to be tough to get by kyle larson in my opinion i would tend to agree there and, and you mentioned that that 19 team it just is not running the same as what it was at that point in the year and you brought up a good point that i didn't even think of that this race is going to be run at night that last one was right in broad daylight so i think that definitely plays a factor now, we've talked a lot about all these Fords and Toyotas from the Penske and Gibbs stables, but I think, again, Hendrick Motorsports being overlooked maybe a little bit. Where do those Hendrick Chevrolets and the rest of the bow ties fit in with the rest of this mix? I have a lot of optimism in William Byron, riding back-to-back -back top five finishes at the Lady in Black. He's priced at $10,700, which is the fourth most, and for good reason. Starting 14th, I think he's a great play, a great sleeper pick. Potentially for the win, you never know. There's been a lot of surprise winners at this track, and, I mean, given his recent success, I think he'd be a great pick. Chase Elliott also led 142 laps over the last four races here at Darlington, finished 7th last time, valued at 9,200. Starting 4th is a bit of a risk, but, you know, we reflect back to this race last year, the Southern 500. He was in position to win this race when he collided with Martin Truex Jr. with a handful of laps to go, so... He's very capable of winning at this track, has yet to do so, but definitely a great pick and, you know, he's the reigning champion, so why not Chase Elliott? I want to stop you right there too and just echo that for a second because when it comes to values this week, I mentioned all of those expensive drivers, Hamlin, Truex, Kyle Busch, Kyle Larson. The best value hands down is Chase Elliott because he does start higher up there in the pack, starts fourth, but he's only valued at 9,200, which is a considerable amount 
uh, in your lineup, but it's a lot cheaper than those other guys starting up front. And I have a lot of confidence in Chase Elliott's ability to go out there, lead a lot of laps, and possibly win this race, especially considering I just think that he has that it factor that comes with the playoffs. I think he's going to be one of those guys that every single year is going to flip that switch. And I think he wants to make a statement at a track that he wants to win at really badly. And like you said, he was outstanding at Darlington last year. I have a lot of confidence in Chase Elliott. He's a guy that if you're kind of wanting to not spend as much money as those top-tier Gibbs drivers, throw Chase Elliott in your lineup and it might pay off. And now closing it out, we'll go with some more value picks here. Chase Briscoe finished 11th last time at Darlington, which is his best result on an oval in the Cup Series. Valued at $6,300, could be a steal. Gives you a lot of money to work with for those bigger drivers like a Kyle Larson or William Byron or Martin Truex Jr. So going down the list here, we have the two Roush Fenway Racing Fords. Ryan Newman's been very consistent at the Lady in Black, finishing top 15 the last four times out, and a top 10 the most recent time out. Could be a bit risky starting 19th, but also valued at 5700 If you were to make a top-heavy lineup, this could be a great pick for you. Chris Buescher also finished top 10 here earlier this year, and Roush as a whole showcased great speed early on at those intermediate tracks. My only fear is that teams have seemingly caught on now. Starting 34th is very enticing, but valued at 7800 could be too much of a risk, and you can upgrade for a better chance at a lower-priced driver with Matt DiBenedetto. Starting 30th, he's valued at 7700 He hasn't placed above 19th in his last two attempts at Darlington, but he does have two top 10s here, one coming last year. And in terms of place differential, I think he gives you a better shot over Chris Buescher. Not only has he gotten results the last six out of seven weeks, but he's still very much fighting for his life in the Cup Series and his future in general. It's a great point, and we've talked about Matt Benedetto a lot over the last few weeks because he was stacking pennies here on the Money Stop, and he graduated from stacking pennies because he has been extremely consistent over the last few weeks and was even contending for the win last week. Your sleeper that we didn't even mention, uh, he had a really good race at Daytona. I just think that Matt Benedetto, like you said, his back's against the wall. He really needs to continue stringing together some really good runs, and I'm excited to see how he handles the Lady in Black, and I'm surprised that he is valued at such a low price in DFS at 7700 He's a guy that I definitely want locked into my lineup. And again, if you do want to go that direction with a guy like Ryan Newman, he's cheaper for a good reason because he did finish third last week at Daytona, resulting in the good starting spot at 19th. I have a very hard time believing that he is going to place above many of those 16 playoff drivers that are starting above him. But again, good history at this track for Roush Fenway Racing as of recently, but I think we've seen it over the course of the summer that teams have really caught on to both JTG Doherty Racing and Roush Fenway Racing at these mile-and-a-half tracks where they were kind of over-exceeding early in the year. In conclusion, though, Cole, safest bets for this week in DFS, I think it's got to be right in that tier of drivers that we named at the very beginning of this Take It to the Bank segment. So we'll be looking at the Joe Gibbs Racing Stable as your safest bets hands down, namely Kyle Busch, Martin Truex Jr., and Denny Hamlin. We highly recommend headlining your lineup with either Martin Truex Jr. or Kyle Larson. This will be Truex's biggest competition and it very well could be Larson's race to lose. Truex hasn't been the best as of late, as mentioned. I might even have a bit more confidence in picking Denny Hamlin or Kyle Busch instead. But one guy we forgot to mention earlier was Tyler Reddick. This track suits his driving style tremendously. He ran great here in the spring. He even led some laps. Valued at 8000 He's starting in that sweet spot of 7th, so... 
He's another guy that could potentially contend for the win and lead some laps this weekend. I got to say, I feel extremely good about Tyler Reddick this week. I truly do think he's going to go out there, contend for the win. Uh, he's got some momentum on his side, just made the playoffs. He's kind of riding that high right now and goes immediately to a track that, like you said, really suits his strengths. And I think I'm expecting a really strong race. It is a little bit risky with him starting seventh. However, he is valued at 8000 which is certainly affordable, and if you're looking for a dark horse in that intermediate price range that very well could go out there, lead laps, and win the race, Tyler Reddick, definitely a guy that you could fit in your lineup and maybe even place a single car bet on separately. Now, rolling out our DFS lineup for this week, we've got pretty much all names that we have just mentioned, so we won't go too in-depth on the various different drivers, but our most expensive driver in the lineup is Martin Truex Jr. Uh, regardless of all the contributing factors that may relate to the fact that he won't be as strong this weekend as he was the last time at Darlington. You can't ignore the fact that he led like 90% of that race and won every stage. So valued at 11,000, he leads off our lineup, followed by William Byron. I think out of the playoff drivers that start a little bit deeper in that playoff pack, William Byron, like you said, Cole, great shot at winning the race. He's valued at 10,700. And then we've got a couple drivers valued in that intermediate range, Tyler Reddick at 8,000. Matt DiBenedetto at 7,700. He's going to get you those place differential points. And then our two sleepers, Chase Briscoe and Eric Jones Cole, a couple guys that we mentioned as this is one of their better tracks on the circuit. Right. I think the biggest thing with this lineup is basically we sacrificed Kyle Larson, the most expensive driver for DFS uh, with Martin Truex Jr. and Tyler Reddick. I guess the thought process here is that with the off chance Larson does not go out there and lead every single lap, you have a great shot at either Tyler Reddick or Martin Truex Jr. going out there and leading those laps instead. So I think this is a very well-rounded lineup. I think that in terms of place differential, leading laps, and having a lot of stability and a safety net, this is a really good lineup. I totally agree with that. And I do want to give some alternatives because that's something that we always do. You very well may be listening to this and you don't feel good about some of those guys like Truex or I don't know how you could not feel good about Truex, but you might not feel good about some of the drivers in that lineup. You know, my philosophy has always been you want to have at least one or two drivers that you think are going to go out there, lead laps, win stages and all that. I do have an alternate lineup with Denny Hamlin and Kyle Larson headlining it. And that allowed us to also fit in uh, Christopher Bell, who's a guy that we have not mentioned, but he ran well there in the spring, and he's in the playoffs as well and wants to make a statement to track that has always been pretty kind to him. And so uh, I think that that's another lineup where we did have it rounding out with Eric Jones, Chase Briscoe, Matt Benedetto. Those three there that I just named, I feel like is a really good backbone to your lineup that lets you fit in two or three pretty expensive drivers. This is a really good one, actually, because you have Christopher Bell starting 13th. He actually led laps late in this race in the spring and was running inside the top 10, borderline top 5 for a majority of the day. So that's a very good sleeper pick as well. And then having Kyle Larson and Denny Hamlin in your lineup is also going to be beneficial because, first off, with Hamlin starting second, he has the potential to lead a lot of laps early on. And then we believe that Kyle Larson will be the winner of this race, and he will lead a majority of the laps. So having those two guys is going to bring you a lot of points for sure. My only fear with Denny Hamlin is that starting second, if he doesn't lead a lot of laps and doesn't finish second or win, obviously, um, you're going to be sacrificing a lot of points there. So that was kind of our thought process from straying away from this one and going with our one that we named earlier. So yeah, a couple good options there. I got to say, I'm pretty confident about our lineup uh, this week and our different configurations there. 
But let's take it to the bank once again and give you our race predictions on who we think is going to win this week. And I believe, if I remember first, Cole, I picked first last week. And again, we had a sleeper finish in second with Bubba Wallace, who was my sleeper. And the guy that you wanted to pick for your sleeper. Uh, and I picked Chase Elliott to win. And obviously, we know how that went. Was in position and caught up in the big one. So uh, you will go first this week. What are you feeling? Obviously, I'm, I'm going with Kyle Larson for the win. I think starting sixth, he charges to the front really, really quick. I think he leads the most laps. I think he wins both stages, and I think he wins the race in dominating fashion. I feel like I mention this every single week, so I probably sound like a broken record here, but... I mean, look at how he's know. done. I mean, it's it's warranted. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And then for my sleeper, I think I will go with, actually, Christopher Bell. I think he's a great sleeper pick starting 13th. He had a great run here in the spring, and it's also his first playoff appearance. I think he wants to get it started off on the right foot, and I think he will. So I feel like an idiot every time I pick this driver because it doesn't always work out. He's gotten a lot of top fives when I've picked him, but he's never won at all this year. And that's Denny Hamlin. I'm picking Denny Hamlin for the win. I just think that starting from second uh, and wanting to make a statement, having not won that race this year, it's been so elusive for him. And I just think that he's lost so many uh, championships late in the playoffs. He's been one of those drivers that contrasting to guys like uh, Brad Keselowski and Joey Logano, he does not handle the pressure very well, but I just think that he is really hungry for a win, uh, and I think he's going to potentially win this week, starting second, lead a lot of laps at Darlington. Um, so I'm going to pick Denny Hamlin. I'm not as confident in him, to be honest, as I would uh, my normal winner picks, but I just have a pretty good feeling about him this week. And really, I might even feel a little bit better about my sleeper. I kind of teased at it a couple minutes ago. Tyler Reddick, I think, is going to have an awesome race. I think he's going to lead laps. I think he might win it. I truly believe that he's going to have a good chance of becoming a first-time winner and winning his way into the round of 12. It's just a track that screams Tyler Reddick to you, riding the high line, and he's run well there in the past. I think that Tyler Reddick and Denny Hamlin are both poised for some pretty good days in round one of the playoffs. I completely agree, and Reddick was the other guy was obviously mulling over for my sleeper. And another guy I was mulling over for my sleeper, but I don't think you can really consider him one, is William Byron. I just think that he, obviously, your your obvious picks are going to be Denny Hamlin, Martin Truex Jr., and Kyle Larson for the win. But I think that William Byron can definitely come out and surprise a lot of people on Sunday. Yeah, William Byron's kind of, it's weird right now because he's in that weird middle ground to where it's kind of a hot take if you pick him for the win because he's only got the one this year. But he's not a sleeper because he's, we said, he's been a top four car all season, so he's in that weird middle ground, I wouldn't call him a sleeper, but uh, I mean, that's definitely something to consider while you're watching the race this week. The other guy I was considering was Eric Jones, but again, just with that RPM equipment, just hasn't really been the same this year. So take it to the bank. Those are our winner picks, our DFS lineup, and we have a lot of reasoning to go behind that. So thanks so much for tuning in. We've been ramping up the social content. So follow us at the underscore money stop on social media, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. We've been posting awesome graphics, social clips, predictions, all of the above. Um, so definitely want to follow us there. And you're also going to want to tune into our social media channels for our playoff brackets. We're going to be tweeting them a little bit later in the weekend, Friday or Saturday. So stay tuned for that. And we want to see yours too. I mean, if you've got some predictions, some hot takes, we would love to hear them. So feel free to uh, comment on any of our posts, leave a review, uh, let us know how we're doing uh, here on the Money Stop. So thank you all so much for tuning in and we'll see you next week.